0: Coming up on this episode of An Older Gay Guy Show. We have had many housemates come and go, all single gay men. And it's been wonderful because we've had these interesting people that we get to know and have a part of our lives. We used to have community holiday dinners. Hey! Hey, you know, I just uploaded a podcast to iTunes today, and here I am again doing another podcast. And that's because, guess what? I'm excited. <laughs> I know I never ever say I'm excited, but I am excited. Actually, I say I'm excited all the time. <laughs> But this time, I'm actually really quite excited about this. I'm here because as much as I love telling titillating stories to you, and I know those always get the ratings and those always get the comments and the people that send emails do that more. And I love telling the stories to you. But ultimately, ultimately, when I first designed this podcast way back when, I had wanted to do a show about living as an older LGBT person, LGBTQ, LGBTQ plus, all of that person. And although we touch on those issues sometimes, it's always the stories that bring in the ratings. So I do throw those in. But today's episode, I, I wanted to put out because something incredible happened yesterday and into today. And it makes my heart warm. It makes me excited to do something new and to, uh, to spread the word about it. So, um, this happened through Facebook and, (laughs) you know, face Facebook is kind of on the downside right now with people because of all the ads from Russia and all of that stuff. But ultimately Facebook of course was, designed for us to be able to have contacts with family, with friends, with new friends, with groups. And yesterday I was added to a private group from a high school friend that is a page about our high school music teacher, our, our choral teacher. Now I have thought a lot about this lovely lady over the years She was instrumental in my going into music. She was the person that first got me excited to learn music, to sing music, to spread my voice out across the lands. (laughs) So actually, for those of you that maybe aren't so thrilled when I sing on my podcast, you know, sometimes I'll do a song at the end. Actually, I've only done it once, I think, but... Oh, I guess the second time is got to be coming up soon. But if you dread hearing that, if you can't stand listening to me sing, this is the lovely lady that you have to blame for that. <laughs> she was amazing. She got me into a high school group called the Greater Bostonians in the 1970s. It was a group made of, up of the best musicians and singers of high schools in all of Massachusetts and we would do uh, performances. We did a record album every year. We performed at Symphony Hall, and we did a television special each year. And she was the reason that we were able to get into that group, myself and some friends. Additionally, she was the person that got me primed and ready for my audition for the Boston Conservatory of Music. Without her... I would never have attended that music school. So she really shaped my life. She was my teacher for four years and 40 years later, honestly, her influence is still there in my life. And one of our high school friends who has been visiting her in a nursing facility formed this group online to try to get as many of us together as possible for a celebration of this music teacher's 95th birthday. She is alone in a nursing home. She has no family. She has, as far as I know, no friends. And so us students have decided to band together and go and visit her as often as possible and to really let this teacher know how she influenced our lives. Now she's in a state right now where she is confused quite often, but she responds to music. There's a piano there. Some of the students that have gone have played or played and sung for her, and she responds very much to that. So I'm excited to be able to share with her. But today I want to also tell you about a little bit more about my current living situation. I've talked about it in the past, but I really kind of want to outline it a little bit more and I'm going to ask something of you as well. So, my name is Joey Hernandez and this is Creating Your Own Golden Boys, Season 3, Episode 3 of An Older Gay Guy Show. So this episode is technically a third part because it kind of comes together with two other episodes I had done earlier. The first one was number 22, episode number 22, which was called, Who Will Take Care of Us? And then episode number 29, which was called, No One Alone. Those were both about getting older as LGBT people and the fact that we often don't have our own families. Many gay men, probably gay women as well, but certainly gay men, end up not having a partner in life. Or if they do, for various reasons, illnesses and whatnot, that partner might not be there with the person when they are in their senior years. And a lot of people have expressed to me in the time that I've had this podcast their fear about getting old growing old and sick and not having anyone there with them. To take care of them, but also especially for companionship. And just so the person didn't feel like they were going to die alone. Because isn't that isn't that a great fear that so many of us have? You know, we're 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 born, we're immediately in our mother's arms, we're part of a family. Sometimes that initial blood-related family, because of the fact that we're gay, doesn't always welcome us and keep us in their lives as we age. And so there's even more of a separation, a feeling of not having a family. And that's why so many so many gay men band together with their friends and they try to create their own family through their friends. And that's a wonderful thing. And for every one of us that has that circumstance, there are so many more that do not even have the friends that are close enough to them that they can feel like their family, that they can feel like those people are going to be there till the very end. The AIDS crisis, of course, wiped out so many of us. I had so many of my friends die. And when I was getting sick in the 80s, I had a couple of friends, my best friend and his lover. I, I use the word lover because in, in the 1970s, <laughs> I, I, for those of us that are over 50, in the 1970s, the word lover was what we called our partner. We didn't say our boyfriend Although we say that now, back then it was kind of like, you know, that's something that a junior high school girl has is a boyfriend. Uh, We certainly didn't say husband, or if we said husband, it was just kind of snickered a little bit like, you know, of course you can never be married, so you're not going to be husbands. So we had the word lover. You know, this is my lover, Bill. This is my lover, Steve. But back in the 1980s, I had two very close friends that we had said that we were going to be there together no matter what. We were going to be there for each other when we got old. And unfortunately, things being the way they went, those two people have passed on. And I have to tell you that... uh, in kind of a selfish way when they passed as they each passed they were about a year apart i had this panic within me that i hadn't felt since my parents died you know i had to go from the age of 17 on alone and it was very difficult to try to navigate my way and find my way so i i latched on to people and uh, relationships and partners to try to feel like I had some sort of security. Well, when these two folks died in the 1980s from AIDS, I had this selfish panic, and, and I, it is selfish. you know. Of course, I grieved the loss of them. I grieved for the end of their lives and, and the things that could have been for them that never were. But in that selfish way, I also had an internal panic of, oh my God, we had promised we were going to be there for each other as we got old. And now obviously that cannot happen. And now what am I going to do? A lot of people feel that way in the gay community. I receive so many comments and emails from people about the fact that they are scared And they are alone. And I was born in 1958, which is right at the end of the baby boomers. So there are a whole bunch of us still alive that have survived the AIDS epidemic, that are still here and are older. And as we now begin to develop those illnesses and diseases that people who are 50 plus, 60 plus get naturally in life. All of us are beginning to wonder, are we going to have enough money to survive? And when we do need to go into a nursing facility in our elder years, are there going to be nursing homes that will accept the fact that we are gay people? And if we have a debilitating illness that's going to be long-term and therefore we can't stay in a hospital the entire time, most of the hospices have closed. People, for the most part, are not dying of AIDS anymore. And so there's this huge gap, this huge hole of what's going to happen to us when it comes time that we need to be taken care of. And as wonderful as it is to begin to be planning, visiting this music teacher and having a celebration for her 95th birthday, and those of us that are committing to the, to the fact that we are not going to let this woman die alone We are going to be there for her And we're going to all visit at various times To try to be the family that she has not had The woman had a very tragic younger life Her fiancé was killed just prior to their wedding And this woman went all the rest of her life And I, I, I think it's it's such a a beautiful thing, but such a a tragic and lonely thing that she loved her fiance so much that she never pursued any other relationships in her life. She dedicated herself to music and to her music students, that that was her life. That was her family. And she retired from the school system in the mid eighties. And she's lived on her own for as long as I've knew her in high school. She had lived for decades in an apartment by herself in Cambridge, Massachusetts, right near Harvard University. And she lived there right up until she came to a point where she could not take care of herself anymore. And then she was put into this facility that's also fortunately in that same area. So she wasn't moved to a location that she was not familiar with. But here she is now, 95, slipping in and out of abilities to comprehend what is going on and who people are. And this poor woman is is alone. And it's just one person that we can make a difference for, but it just brought back to mind those other podcasts I did. And for my younger listeners especially, I have listeners who are in their teens and 20s and 30s. I'm asking you as well to think of the senior LGBT people and what is going to happen in their lives as they age, because we need to step up. We need to step up and be there for each other. One of my goals when I first started this podcast was to try to unite an older gay community together, because a lot of my listeners are right on the cusp of being the people that are online compared to the people that the technology is a little beyond. Most people from their mid-70s on are generally not computer people or listening to podcasts because a lot of the older folks are afraid of technology or afraid of the process of learning new technology. And for those people that have felt that they were too old to learn this technology to be online— they are cut off even more. They can't sit and go online and go into chat rooms or go on Facebook. For those of you who have written to me that you have been alone and that you are scared and you're not sure of what life is going to be for you in the future, because of the fact that you have written to me shows that you have been able to access technology. There is the world in front of you with your keyboard. Now you may be a closed off person. You're not the kind of person that will reach out to the resources that are available online, but at least the technology is there for you to access. That if you have a great need, that you have an emergency, somehow there are options for you. But for many people, especially people that are losing their sight, losing their hearing, perhaps arthritis keeps them from being able to type to be able to be online. All of these things are reasons of why we need to think about the older people in our community and the fact that we need to step up and take care of them. A gay couple in their mid-30s is the demographic that has the most disposable income. And let's face it, as gay men, we often have the most beautiful houses, the most beautiful cars, we travel the world. You know, we don't generally have the expenses that a straight family has. If we have kids, we have earned enough money to be able to have those children and probably be able to take care of them for the rest of their lives. But for two smart gay men that are together that do not want to have children, they have good jobs. These are the people that have the most disposable income. And therefore, we all have a responsibility to do something. Because if we don't do something, no one else will. In those other two episodes, I talked about how important it was that People do not spend holidays alone. And I had asked you to reach out to maybe acquaintances or friends that you know that are not going to be with a family for Thanksgiving or for Christmas or for Hanukkah and to invite them to be a part of your celebration so no one is alone During those times, those times are tremendously important because the world celebrates the world pretty much shuts down for them. You know, they don't have a lot of other options on Thanksgiving day. If you don't have a family or a dinner to go to, you have very few options. You stay at home completely alone and watch TV or read or watch a movie. You can go out to a movie or you can go to a restaurant. That's about it. These days, I guess the malls are starting to open so that they can sell more merchandise prior to Black Friday, which is the day after Thanksgiving. But uh, the world pretty much shuts down. You know, there's not a lot of things to do because it's a holiday. And no matter where you go, that holiday is right in front of you. You're going to hear the Christmas music. You're going to see the Christmas lights. And if you're alone and you're depressed, it's it's like having your face rubbed in it. And so I had asked you to please step up and do something during the holidays. But as nice as that is, it's during the holidays that most people volunteer to do things. In fact, many shelters and soup kitchens have to turn away volunteers because they just have so many people that want to go on Thanksgiving Day or on Christmas Day. And they will be the first to tell you That as wonderful as it is to have these holidays for folks, it's all those many other days during the year that people are forgotten. Once Christmas passes and New Year's passes, we're into the dead of winter, we all go about our lives. We all get involved in our families and our work and everything else that takes up our time and thoughts. And these poor individuals are abandoned and folks, is, isn't there something that we can do about that? In my living situation, I, uh, I wanted to tell you a little bit more about it. I moved into the house that I am in in 1998 when a relationship I had broke up. And the guy moved to Cape Cod and I was going to be here briefly and I thought I was going to end up going and joining him on the Cape, but things completely fell apart. And so I moved into this house where my former client and best friend, who is the gentleman, by the way, that is interviewed in the episode that's called The Almost Transition. And he um, had a lover, his word, lover, die of AIDS in, um, I guess it was the mid-90s. And he started, in order to be able to maintain this huge Victorian house, he started to rent out rooms to, to people and I came along in 1998 and was looking for a room and I rented from him and I've been here ever since and during those years that I've been here, which is 19 years now, we have had many housemates come and go, all single gay men and it's been wonderful. Because we've had these interesting people that we get to know and have a part of our lives. We used to have community holiday dinners. It was literally like the Golden Girls, which is where I'm getting the title of today's episode. And now we've kind of settled down. The owner of the house is older. I'm older. Well, hell, we're all older. And he's got his best friend whose um, husband died about 10 years ago. He is now living on the third floor of the house and the owner of the house lives on the second floor. And I was living on the first floor. And now that I'm with Paco and married to Paco, Paco lives here with me as well. So there's four of us in the house. And the great thing is, when you have these kinds of situations, especially when you have different floors, but even if you just have different rooms and you share a kitchen, It can be that you have people there when you want them to be or when you need them to be. But if you want privacy, you close your door and kind of bury yourself (laughs) in your room, kind of pile things up against the door and everybody keep out. And you can have your privacy as well. And yet you have this community feeling, much like the Golden Girls. It all works out because we have a place to live and through paying rent to my landlord, my housemate, he is able to pay for the bills and the mortgage of the house. So it's a win-win situation. So if you are a person or a couple that owns a house and it's a decent-sized house, consider taking in someone, even if it's for a short time, taking in someone as a roommate It'll give you some extra money. It will allow, if, say, you're a couple and you're going away for an extended vacation, that housemate, once you get to know them, once you get to trust them, if you have pets, if you have plants, if you have a garden outside, if whatever it is, or just not leaving the house empty, there is someone there that can do these things. There are laws. For renting out apartments and the fact that you can't turn people away, uh, based on all of the various checklists of reasons of why you, you have to take people in if they qualify, whether you like them or not, you pretty much have to take them in. It's the law, but in your own home, you can wait and interview and interview and place ads and then go periods without ads and take as long as you want to find that right person to fit in as a roommate, either again for a short time or a longer permanent time. You have the right to say no to people when it's your own home and you are going to be living with them. You have that ability. So don't stay away from it because of any laws of who you have to take in. It's not Applicable. At least that's not the way it is in Massachusetts, and I believe all of New England. I would be very surprised if it's different anywhere else in the country and through Canada. I would be very, very surprised because if you if you were forced to take in someone just because they financially qualify and they're just complete assholes, <laughs> you know, that are make it intolerable for you to live there, you know th- that. Th- that wouldn't protect you. There, there are laws that are in place. So therefore you have the right to refuse people. But let me tell you, there, there were many times before Paco and I were together, when I was here, when I was very sick with the flu and I needed medication or groceries, I had people that would do that for me. Um, I have my cats when I would go away. Actually, when Paco and I go away together now, Our housemates take care of our cats and take care of our plants and just watch the apartment and make sure no one's breaking in and stealing our shit. It's a win-win situation. And yet, because I have this whole first floor and we have a kitchen and bathroom and all of that, it's a one-family house, but it is broken up enough that we have our own kitchen. We share a second floor full bath. That's the one that has the shower. And the second and third floor share a kitchen that's on the second floor. But we have our own kitchen. And there are times when I just don't feel social that I have been able to go for a couple of weeks, if I want to, without running into one of my housemates. I just stay in my apartment. I leave through my door, come back. I have my kitchen. I cook my food. We go upstairs to shower, but... We can do it at different times when we know that people aren't around. So it's not like you're in a forced situation. It's like you have the best of both worlds, the privacy you want, and yet people there when you want that as well. So what am I going to ask of you? I'm going to ask you to do what you can. If you own a home and you have the space, consider taking someone in as a housemate and especially consider someone who's older. And if you don't have an area where someone could live, I'd like to ask you to volunteer even a couple hours a month, wherever you live. Look and see if there is an elder LGBT community center or program in your area And call them and ask them what's the best volunteering that you can do to help the senior LGBT community. Now, as Thanksgiving and Christmas approach, I'm going to stay on you to volunteer and to try to provide a nice holiday for people that otherwise may be alone. The joyful feeling that you will get from helping others during the holidays and the other days throughout the year will be something that you will never forget and always cherish in the next episode i'm going to go back to the story telling mode and i'm going to <laughs> i guess i'm going to tell you the dirtiest most pornographic thing that i could say to you over the air so do tune in for that if you like those kinds of things. Meanwhile, you can contact me, and please, I ask you to do so. I'd love to hear from everyone. You can reach me at anoldergayguyshow at gmail.com. Please do check out the YouTube channel for this podcast, an older gay guy show on YouTube.com. And please subscribe. I love to have you with me. This is Joey Hernandez. I will be back very shortly. Thank you so much for listening to me today. And thank you for any consideration that you can do to help our senior LGBT community. Lots of love to you. Hugs. Bye for now.